Last week we looked at the things we can learn about the call of God through the lens of Abraham's life. And, and that story of God's calling on Abraham's life ends with, with Abraham demonstrating, exhibiting extreme faith, a great deal of faith. And in that story and, and from other places in the Bible, in the, in the book of Hebrews, of course, uh, the faith of Abraham is referenced time and time again. In fact, in the New Testament, Abraham's faith is referenced more than any other character in the Bible's faith. Which is why the very next story in the same chapter in which God's calling took place, chapter 12, is, is so startling, is, is shocking. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible tells us that that Abraham had left his home, he'd left his, his, his place that he was comfortable with, he'd stepped out in faith, and he'd gone to a land that he was unfamiliar with, and verse 10 tells us that there was famine in that land. And so Abram, Abraham tells his family and decides that they're going to go down in Egypt, that they might dwell there. Now that all seems pretty innocuous, it doesn't seem too, too startling, it's not a jolt to the faith. But then verse 11 hits us with a start. And suddenly this individual that we refer to oftentimes within our sermons and within our community of faith, we refer oftentimes uh, to Abraham as a hero of faith. And we'll see quickly that it's dangerous to ever put anyone other than God as the hero. But this person that we, that we oftentimes indicate as, as, as a great hero of faith in verse 11 does something shocking. Abraham tells his wife, Sarah, to pretend that she is not his wife, or rather, to only tell a part of the truth. Say you're not my wife, tell them you're only my sister. Now we take a time out here for a second. This is actually truth, partly. Sarah is Abraham's half-sister. She is one of his sisters. So it isn't totally a lie and we can all just if we're not familiar with the Bible we can all just let that sink in and say yes that seems weird that was part of the culture and we can all rejoice that it's not part of the culture now amen <laughs> but Abraham here basically says to his wife tell a half truth tell a half truth and let's not pretend that we don't understand what this looks like right we know what half truths are so I'm always telling you, we need to witness, we need to witness, we need to witness. You know, take every opportunity you have to witness. Well, I was at the hairdresser and I was getting my hair cut and it had been a long day. And I was in one of those moods where I didn't really wanna talk. I know that you all think I love to talk all the time, but I actually have times that I don't wanna talk. And I was sitting there and it was uh, a very chatty hairdresser. And so she wanted to chit chat and she's asking me all these questions and I'm sitting there uh, knowing in my heart of hearts that I should take the opportunity to engage and to be a witness, but I didn't want to talk. I had a long day. I was tired of talking to people. Um, and so I was keeping every answer very short, you know, yes, no, mumbling, trying to tone down this lady's verbiage, just keep it down. And then she asked me this question. So what do you do? And in that moment, I know that I should have said, well, I'm a pastor. 
But I also know something else. Having been a pastor as, uh, long enough, I know that when you tell someone that you're a pastor, oftentimes then that can lead to a lot more conversation. And so I said to her, I said, I work for a nonprofit. <laughs> it's not technically a lie. We are a 501c3. If you donate your money, you can get a tax return. We are a nonprofit. And we do thank you for your tithes and offerings. Continue on. But I, but I doubt it. I, I didn't really want to have that talk. So we know what half-truths are. So Abraham says to Sarah, tell this half-truth. And why does he do this? He says, tell the half-truth because I want to be safe. And I'm afraid that they'll see how beautiful you are and they'll then want to harm me. They'll want to take you from me because you're so beautiful. And so he has Sarah tell this half-truth. Now, that's bad. In fact, Abraham's working himself into being worst husband of the year award right there. But it gets worse. Verse 14. So it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. The, uh, verse 15. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and committed her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And get this, folks. Abraham lets it happen. Abraham lets it happen. In the... He, he, his wife, he's, he's told her to tell a half-truth, and because of this half-truth, he's now bartering his wife's purity, his wife's sanctity, all for his, all for his uh, protection. But then it gets even worse. The Bible tells us that he then begins to benefit off of this half-truth. He begins to benefit off this half-truth. The Bible tells us that they began to give him livestock and, and cattle and, and all these things to make Abraham rich. Folks, this story is so messed up. It is a messed up story. Let's, let's all acknowledge in this moment, Abraham looks like an awful person. He looks like an absolute jerk. Women, nod your heads if you think that it's kind of a jerkish thing to do for your husband to tell a lie to protect himself that will compromise your goodness. Is, is that kind of a jerkish thing to do? Yeah, we're all in agreement on that. Men, you should be saying yes too. I just asked for the women, but you should agree with that. So we read that story in chapter 12, just after Abraham stepped out in faith. And then I finish my devotional and I put my Bible down and I've read that story and I look at that story. And, and then the next morning I come back to the Bible and I, I pick it back up again and I go to chapter 13 and it's the next day of my devotionals and I roll into chapter 13 and I discover that in chapter 13, Abraham is amazing. He's amazing. The Bible tells us, and Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. How did he get some of that? Well, we just found out. And he went on his journey from south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Man, Abram, this is a good faithful act. Lot also went with Abram and he had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. 
Verse seven then tells us, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham. Verse eight, so Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between us. Let there be no conflict between us and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are family. Let there be no conflict. Let there be no strife, for we are family. This is a completely magnanimous gesture by Abraham. First of all, within their culture, if there was a conflict or some sort of uh, reconciliation that needed to be had because of their status within the family, Lot should have come to Abraham and tried to make things right. But instead, Abraham goes to Lot and he says, you know, there's this conflict. Look, we're, we're family. Let's, let's not have this conflict. Let's not have this conflict. Wouldn't it be great if that was the anthem of every church, right? Man, if we were all as magnanimous as Abraham. You know what? I have the right to, to demand things. You should be coming to me to make things right, but instead I'm going to go to you. What a, what a gesture by Abraham. Man, our churches, our families, our schools, our, our workplaces would all be such uh, uh, more joyful environments and, and peaceful environments if we all approached things as this wonderful, faithful Abraham in chapter 13. Abraham is awesome in this story. And he gets even awesomer, if that's a word. More awesome. Abraham gives Lot, the Bible tells us, and Abraham gives Lot the choice of where to go so there won't be any quarrels. Abraham is, is not only being magnanimous in that he approaches to avoid the conflict, but now he's being ultra gracious in that he's saying, Lot, even though I have the right to decide wherever I want to go and to tell you wherever you want to go, I'm going to let you choose where you want to go. What Abraham is actually saying in this and what Abraham is actually doing this is he's showing tremendous faith in God. God promised him that, that no matter where you go, I will bless you. As long as you go, I will bless you. I will be with you. I will make your name great. I will, I will, I will, give, I will make you a great nation. I will give you an abundance of land. And Abraham, in this moment, is having tremendous faith and believing and trusting in God. He says, I know if I go here, then God's gonna bless me. If I go here, God's gonna bless me. If I go there, God's gonna bless me. And the Bible tells us in chapter, verse nine of the chapter, Abram says, if you take the left, I'll take the right. If you take the right, I'll take the left. No matter what, I trust that God's gonna take care of both of us. God's gonna take care of both of us. Abraham is so faithful and awesome in chapter 13. An amazing hero of faith. An amazing hero of faith. The Bible then tells us that Lot chooses what would be considered probably the best land. The Bible describes the land that Lot chooses as the land that was like the garden of God. In other words, like Eden, like God's original creation. But Abram doesn't get mad. He doesn't get mad. Instead, he goes on his way, trusting in God. You know, if I read the close of chapter 12 one day, so I read the close of chapter 12 one day, Abraham is an absolutely despicable 
man with no faith and trust in God at all. He's willing to barter his own wife because he didn't trust that he would be protected by God. That's chapter 12. Abraham's awful. Then the next day I wake up and I read chapter 13. And suddenly, Abram is this wonderful hero of faith. Hero of faith. But can I suggest that Abraham isn't either? He isn't either. He's not awful. He did something awful. We can all agree with that. But he's not awful. Nor is he wonderful, although he did something wonderful. He's not awful. He's not wonderful. You know what he is? He's you and he's me. He's us. He's us. Sometimes faithful, sometimes unfaithful. Sometimes living in fear, sometimes living in absolute trust. These stories, although we oftentimes read them individually, okay, that's the lesson there, that's the lesson there, these stories are actually best read together because they are the picture of us and our journey as well. Sometimes we've made huge moves of faith, moves that even surprise ourselves. And other times we're flat on our face. One day standing strong, the next day buried in the mud. One day saying, God, I know that you'll provide and I know that you are good and I'm not going to worry about this bill that I have to pay. I trust you, God, that you will provide. And the next day saying, man, I can't pay my tithe this week. I got to pay this bill. We are Abraham. This is the picture of Abraham. One day, God, I know you provide. I know you take care. I will not worry about what I'll eat or drink or where I'll lay my head because I know that tomorrow, I know that, I know that you will take care of everything. You, you clothe the, the lilies of the field and you take care of the birds in the air. Surely you will take care of me. And the next day I'm saying, man, I gotta take care of myself. I gotta take care of myself. I gotta take care of myself. The story of Abraham is the story of us. These two stories together and never alone are the real and honest picture of faith. The real and honest picture of faith. I mean, is it not true? Do you sometimes surprise yourself with with how faithful you are or an act of faith that you have? Have you had those moments where you're like, man, I can't believe that I'm just so calm about this situation. Anyone ever said that? I can't believe I'm so calm about this situation. And have you, like me, also had moments where you're like, man, I am so disappointed in myself. Where's my faith? Anyone had those as well? That's the story of Abraham here, and that's the story of us. My faith isn't always like Abraham in chapter 12, down in the gutter, nor is my story always like Abraham in chapter 13, up high in the heavens. My story of faith and your story of faith and every person that's walked this earth's story of faith is both and. It's both and. Which then I would ask, what is the ultimate purpose of these stories? Now there's so many lessons you can get, so many principles you can take from these stories, but what is the ultimate purpose purpose of these stories. Well, I believe if we put them together, we see the ultimate purpose. Turn to chapter 12, uh, verses 17 through 20 of Genesis. Chapter 12, verses 17 through 20. 
The Bible says, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house. This is at the end of chapter 12. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. What happened there? What just happened there? Abraham's completely dropping the ball. He's not representing God well at all. He's not representing faith well at all. He's not being a good husband at all. He's not being a good role model for his children at all. Or his future children, all of us that would read it. What happened there? God steps in, in spite of Abraham. Why? Why? Well, because followers of God, I don't know if you know this or not, but followers of God, sometimes we do really dumb things. Sometimes we do really dumb things. And Abraham did something really dumb, and yet God stepped in. God is faithful to his promise. And God told Abraham when he set out on his journey, he said, wherever you go, if you go, I will be with you and I will bless you and I will protect your family and I will take care of you. But then we turn over to Genesis 13. Genesis 13, and, and we see Abraham being so faithful, being so trusting, saying, God, I know that wherever I go, that, that you're going to bless me. I trust you, God. Lot, you take whatever you want because I know that God will bless me wherever I go. And the Bible tells us in verse 14, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Verse 17, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you, for I give it to you. What is God doing? Lot has taken the best land and God steps in and he still takes care of Abraham and still blesses him. Well, you know what? That part of the story makes sense to us. Why? Because most of us sometimes think about theology in this way. If I do good, then God will do good to me. And so chapter 13 makes sense to our understanding. If I do good, God will take care of me. But we can't separate the two stories. Because God took just as much care of Abraham in chapter 12 when he was a dog in the dirt as he did in chapter 13 when he was high on the mountain. When he was high on the mountain. Here's the reason why, folks. We lift Abraham up and we say, the hero of faith. Sometimes we lift up other people. The hero of faith, man, they're, they're my hero. But the story of chapter 12 and 13, and I believe the point of these stories together is this. That the true hero of faithfulness is not you or me or even the great Abraham. The true hero of faithfulness is always God. Is always God. The trust of Abraham matters in these stories. Don't get me wrong, it matters. But ultimately what matters most is God's faithfulness. Is God's faithfulness. And the story tells me that God is faithful in the ins 
and the outs, in the goods and the bads. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse six, and Joshua chapter one and verse five, and Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five. All three of these texts have something similar in common. Two from the Old Testament, one from the New. They all have something in common. They have this phrase, this promise from God. You know what that promise is? I will never, what? Leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But is that really true? Is that really true? Will God really never leave us nor forsake us? God, isn't that true? God, isn't it true that you will only stay with me if I am a good and faithful husband? Isn't it true, God, that you will only stay with me if I'm, if I'm a, a, a positive influence on my children and setting the right example? God, isn't it true that you only stay with me if, if I'm a good pastor? God, isn't it true if I only tell the hairdresser that I'm a pastor? Or do you also stay with me when I tell the hairdresser I work for a nonprofit? Don't talk to me. God, will you also stay with me when I'm not faithful? The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Brothers and sisters, is it true that God will stay with us when we're faithful and when we're unfaithful? It's a little uncomfortable for us. But the story of Abraham shows that God is faithful in the ins and the outs. When Abraham is setting the bar for worst husband of the year, the Bible says God is faithful. When Abraham is setting the bar for best uncle of the year, the Bible says God is faithful. Why? Because God is true to his word. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God didn't leave him and God doesn't leave you. When you're faithful, when you're unfaithful, God doesn't leave you. You know what that leaves us then with this reality? That when we feel apart from God, when we feel separated from God, when we're pushing, when we think God is, is far from us, it's not because God ever left us. It's because we have left God. We've chosen to walk away. The scripture teaches that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Abraham is unfaithful, but God steps in. And Abraham doesn't run away then. He stays with God. And Abraham is faithful, and God steps in and blesses. And Abraham doesn't say, I'm great, I'm gonna go away now. No, he stays with God. And then we'll see in the story later that Abraham is, is messed up again, and God is faithful, and he stays with him. The hero of faith is God, who is the only consistent one in faith. I, I hate to break it to you, but you and me, we aren't consistent in our faith. The only faithfully consistent one is God. I met with a mentor and spoke with a mentor this, this last week. And we were talking about some things and he said, Chad, I wanna be honest with you. I will always be honest with you, even if sometimes that hurts, even if sometimes that's painful for you. But I want you to know, I want you to know that no matter how good you get, 
I'm not going to think different of you. And then he said, and no matter how bad you get or no matter what you share with me, I'm not going to think different of you. This is a safe place. This is what our friendship is. This is what our relationship is. Now, I could listen to that promise and I could say, okay, that's really good. That's great. Appreciate that. That's wonderful. And then choose to not trust a word of it and walk away maybe and not even remain in connection with that person. Or I could trust it and stay in relationship. A lot of us read the Bible and we read, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We say, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then we don't really believe it. And so when we're unfaithful, we walk away thinking, surely God has left me. Surely God rejects me. Surely God is no longer with me. Brothers and sisters, I love the story of Abraham because I've discovered as I've been reading it that he is not the hero of faith. God is the hero of faith, which means in my ups and my downs, my ins and my outs, God remains there to protect me, to guide me, to watch over me. In our connection card today, there's actually a question about this. I understand the Lord never leaves me, but I have left him and I want to come back. Folks, if you're feeling distant from God today, if you're feeling separated from God, if you're feeling like God is, is not with you, it's not because he's left you. In fact, he's actually right there. But we have fallen into the lie of the devil that if we're not good enough, if we're not strong enough, if we don't walk just so, God will abandon us. I'm going to choose today, and I hope you will too, and you'll check on your card. You know what, I've left God, but I, I wanna come back to him because I know he never leaves me. I, 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 I choose today to not trust the lies of the devil, but rather to trust the word of God and the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are the hero of faith. It's not dependent upon me or any of my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you are a God who is always faithful. And Lord, when I'm unfaithful, I pray that you will remind me that you are there and I'll turn back to you, I'll repent, and I'll grasp that hand that is reaching to me again. I pray that when I'm faithful, I won't become so arrogant that I think I'm something special, but I'll, I'll remember that, that my faithfulness is because of you. And I'll again turn to you and grasp your hand and walk with you. God, thank you that whether I'm faithful or unfaithful, I can always turn to you and grasp your hand because you will never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, may that be an understanding that each one in this room embraces today. In your name we pray, amen.